Well, we 
uh, we put on an event where we flew in 15 high-ranking military and government officials from seven countries. Now, these are not private UFO investigators. These are actually, you know, we had uh, military and government officials from, as I said, seven countries who uh, officially investigated the phenomenon. And uh, so I think that, uh, that, you know, that level of credibility kind of made a difference. We tried not to provide the media with any material whatsoever for, for ridicule. And, and in that respect, I think, I think it went very well. I mean, I'm, I remember at one point towards the end of the, of the presentation, you know, media were sitting there with their mouths open, thinking, "My God, I, you know, there's got to be something. There's got to be something to this. It's just one credible testimony after the other from Air Force pilots. Uh, we had an Air France captain from France. Uh, you know, a couple of generals, uh, a colonel, and uh, you know, and of course, uh, Governor Fife Simonton talking about uh, what he saw in 1997. And when you were able to put that type of testimony together and, and for those who actually want to read it if you haven't seen it yourself if you go to ufomediawatch.com they have all the transcripts of what every speaker said as well as some video footage as well uh, yeah we've also got stuff uh leslie kane uh her website actually out of the blue the movie.com has links to uh media watch ufo media watch as well as the cfi's website we've got the transcripts photographs some of the events and then uh fairly soon i think within a week's time we're going to be offering a dvd of the of the actual event itself and we documented i mean i spent three or four days doing sit-down interviews with each and every one of the of, of our panelists that's going to be uh integrated into into the new movie so if if people did miss it and they want more it's 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 coming so we're excellent. working on it excellent of course this was all put together uh by yourself and leslie uh for the the coalition for freedom of information because the goal is you want the government to make available w what they've investigated in terms of uh, un unidentified flying objects or... Um well, you know, that's one really interesting point that I'd like to make tonight um, that I, I noticed time and time again is speaking to these, these high-ranking military and government officials. Um, there's the official explanation or the official position of the Air Force is that they have not investigated UFOs since the termination of Project Blue Book back in 1969. Mm -hmm. But we found overwhelming evidence to suggest the contrary, that there have been discrete inquiries made uh, uh, worldwide. Uh, you know, General Jafari talked about his sighting, had a pretty major sighting that's featured in the Cometa Report, and the DIA uh, has a whole uh, document about it. You know, the Americans were making inquiries about that, and uh, somebody gave the go-ahead for OSI to investigate the Bentwaters case back in, in England in 1980. And, and, a number, and, you know, time and time again, so the Americans say they're not interested in it and that they're not no longer investigating since 69, but that, that appears not to be the case at all. And, and there's also, you know, a call for the FAA to also investigate some of these as well. I mean, they say they don't have the manpower or the resources to do so. You know, but then you have something about what happened a year ago at uh, at O'Hare Airport, where there was an object and, and everybody saw it. You know, clear as day, and yet the FAA, you know, just calls it some sort of weather anomaly. I talked to a number. I tried very diligently to get uh, a couple of the United Airlines uh, pilots, mechanics, to join us uh, at the National Press Club, and uh, I spoke with them privately, a couple of them privately, and they confirmed with me what they saw. But unfortunately, were terrified of losing their job. I guess they were debriefed by United Airlines, who didn't want to be associated at all with, uh, you know, people, uh, employees that see UFOs. But this this thing hovered above the the airport, uh, O'Hare Airport, I think, for a couple of minutes. And when it left, uh, you know, disc-shaped craft, no wings, no visible means of propulsion, that sort of thing, and it punched a hole in the clouds. 
So, and they all saw it. I mean, it was crystal clear, broad daylight. But uh, unfortunately, we were unable to get them to come forward, uh, you know, on the record. And, and between, you know, this event and all this uh, media attention that it's gotten, what are you hoping will, will come about as a result of, of the event that you had? I mean, was there members of Congress there that were showing an interest in, in forcing them to open up some of these files? There has been, uh, you know, twofold, basically. We want to demonstrate, uh, you know, to the mainstream media that the phenomenon is real and that it's happening worldwide. Uh, we're also, you know, documenting this whole thing for, for a new release uh, of, of, of our film. Um, but, you know, we'd like a reopening, uh, publicly a reopening of, uh, you know, the Project Blue Book or something the equivalent to that. So, um, but, but publicly, you know, not privately. Yeah, not something that's done behind the scenes with only, you know, one or two civilian people watching over it while it happens. You know, something that can be done in the public eye and, and you know, people, you know, in, in today's media world with the, with the Internet and everything, if they try to do it, it, it would be, you know, so easy for them to get these reports and get the access to this information where, you know, before when they had Project Blue Book, they probably were chasing their tails a lot of the time trying to track down some of these reports. Well, but, you remember what Dr. Jalen Hynek said mm -hmm. about Project Blue Book. Well, why don't you tell everybody what he said? Well, he said, he said you know, it's interesting for him. Obviously, he spent, I think it was from 52 to 69, uh, providing uh, or trying to provide prosaic uh, you know, explanations of all these cases. Uh, and it became progressively difficult for him to do that. But that the cases that were easily explained were made public in Project Blue Book. The cases that were not uh, were, were put aside. And, and he, he said this on, re on the record. Uh, but, of course, we all know that I think it was uh, in the 70s he founded the Center for UFO Studies, which is based out of, I think it's in Chicago, um, until he died in the 80s. I think it was 86. Yeah, he kind of, you know, reversed position uh, after following some of these cases. And Exactly. Obviously, if, you know, if he's going to change his mind, he was so intimately uh, acquainted with what was going on, imagine what would happen if the public got access to this information. You know, and that was one of the, I guess that was one of the turning points for, for Hynek was uh, the, the very famous case that happened. Uh, in Michigan, I, think, I believe it was 1966. It was a pretty big wave, somewhat, somewhat similar to what happened in Phoenix. And uh, you know, the Air Force basically put him out in the limelight and said, "Hey, you know, tell the people, uh, just make up something, you know, to kind of uh, quiet the hysteria, uh, growing hysteria." And he said that, uh, you know, what you guys saw was just swamp gas. And I think that was a very difficult uh, thing for him to do. Uh, complete uh, contradiction to the to the evidence. And, and and he said that you know that was one of the turning points for him, but that that caused for for uh, you know op for congressional hearings back in I think it was '66, and of course you know the, the led up to the Condon report. And, and one of the things that uh, myself and our science advisor Matt Moniz are we're going to debate later on is whether or not the public could handle the knowledge of what the government knows about UFOs. Uh, how much do you think they know, and how much do you think the public could take? Well. That's a really interesting point, you know, and that's one of the things that I, I, I really asked all the, uh, you know, the panelists uh, independently, you know, one after the other. First of all, why the secrecy? You know, and, and because everyone would say, well, why would any government want to hide the fact that, uh, you know, the age-old question, are we alone in the universe, or is there evidence to support the theory that, you know, that we're not alone in the universe? And they said, well, you know, you have to remember how the military thinks. Um, you know, if there are structured craft uh, of unknown origin that can fly rings around our fastest jets and, and whiz around in our airspace with impunity. That's not the sort of information generally that the, you know, the military wants to disclose to the public uh, for fear of panic or, or whatever. And I guess I could kind of relate to that to some respects, but I, I think that uh, you know, if there's tangible evidence being withheld from us, I think we all have a right to know about it. Absolutely. 
that's that's my point of view, and and we'll debate that later on, Matt and I. And, but one one thing that we uh, we do want to make sure that we get across to people here in in talking to you tonight, though, is that this is going to be an ongoing process. This isn't this wasn't something that led up to Monday, and then let's just see where it goes. Uh, you know, with the the release of the new film uh, in the future, and and I'm sure you're going to keep fighting, keep knocking down these doors, and. I, I get a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of you uh, in the future in we, this topic. We we have no intentions of stopping until uh, until this 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 uh, this story gets uh, out to the public. And we've got a number, and it's amazing actually. It's it's been the level of support that we've been getting from all around the world. It's been phenomenal. I mean, it really, I have to pinch myself half the time. Um, and it just keeps growing. I, I, you know, one doesn't know where it's going to keep going to, uh, but it, it's exciting. And, um, w- you know, we're certainly dedicated. And, uh, you know, we'll, <laughs> time will tell, right? But we're not going away. Let's put it that way. There's going to be a whole – I mean, we're, we're going to stay fairly focused uh, for the next couple of months uh, putting together the movie, and then we'll start a whole new and, – and we're also going to do some, um, some interviews with some uh, congr- you know, members of Congress – Talk about uh, the possibility of, of reopening up, uh, and reopening uh, investigations publicly. But um, you know, having support from you know your listeners and and and, uh, and CNN has just been it's been unprecedented, and it's very very exciting. Right. I think people are starting to realize there's something to this. Absolutely, and, and you will continue to have our support. If there's anything we can do to help, let us know. Uh, we'll let you get back to your event tonight, but hopefully we'll have you back on real soon to talk about the film. I very much look forward to it, and I thank you so much for taking the time out to, to, to talk with me tonight. Oh, Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Take care. That well, is James Fox, the filmmaker behind Out of the Blue and the upcoming sequel to that as well, uh, Beyond the Blue. We'll see uh, what happens with that. Hopefully it does make it into uh, theatrical release, because I would... Love to be able to, you know, take people out to see a UFO movie in the theaters that's, you know, not made by Steven Spielberg. Maybe we can help, uh, you know, make people. Matt Moniz, you know, obviously, you believe that there's something going on, or else you wouldn't have spent the last 20 years of your life investigating it. But how? And we'll, we're going to debate later on, so let, <laughs> we'll keep this general for right now. But okay. how important is it? Do you think that people need to realize that yes, this is going on? Can people live? happily and comfortably in their own little shell without having to acknowledge that there's something out there beyond what we know? You'll get a, a certain part of the population that won't accept it, period. Mm-hmm. E- even if it landed on the White House lawn and, you know, you know when it Which shook the you, president's hand. If you, you believe know. the weekly world news, that's happened. Well, fine journalistic, you know, they integrity that they have. Yes. They have pictures. He's yes. shaking hands with Clinton. Okay. They got him with a Hillary for President T-shirt. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> well, but I mean, we're 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 having fun, but you know, we take the subject very seriously. And one of the things that angered angered me uh, when I was going to ufomediawatch.com or out of the blue the movie.com and and watching some of these media reports regarding Monday's event, I was thinking to myself when I heard about it. You you mentioned it last week on the show, and as I heard about it, I said, "Wow, you know, finally." some seriousness to the subject matter. It's not just going to be something that's in Fate magazine or... I told you guys this stuff was coming. Yeah, well, yeah. And and when I heard about it, I was instantly excited and said, now there'll be some credibility. And as soon as I started watching some of that media footage, and you can see it on the website, um, go to SpookySouthCoast.com. We have a link to all of it there. But 
you can see in some of these CNN videos, you know, the reporter comes on and he's talking about what went on, giving a, a report, as he's supposed to do, you know, covering a media event, basically. And then the, the female uh, anchor comes on and, well, I thought UFO people were just a bunch of freaks. And she actually uses the word freaks. And, and she basically tries to set back 10 years, you know, everything that's been being done. And that's kind of been the way that a lot of the media has approached this. Some of them, you know, the Associated Press, routers, some of these news services, they've actually covered it with, you know, a great deal of respect and, and treating it as a very newsworthy item, which I think it is. But there's still always going to be that, that stigma attached to it by some of the media of this is supposed to be, you know, the fun filler report that we fill the last five minutes of the well, show this, with. Well, what you have there is the remnants of what the media was forced to portray the subject as. Uh, most people don't realize in a lot of the cases uh, in – primary example would be the Roswell incident. Uh, some actual media outlets were threatened with um, their license being yanked if they mm -hmm. further uh, went along with the story or didn't change it. Uh, Stan Gordon uh, gave another great example of the Kecksburg crash. One reporter was you know, basically silenced mm -hmm. uh, verbally on the air first and then silenced by a mysterious car crash later on, you know, a hit and run. The media has always been controlled in some degree or another uh, on this subject. Uh, can I say it's official? No. But uh, I've talked, you're in the media yourself. You know that, that this was the boilerplate of how you handled these type of mm -hmm. subjects. You, you do it tongue-in-cheek. I mean, and I've, I've experienced that trying to write about the paranormal for the newspaper. I mean, God knows I love the Standard Times for the paychecks they provide me, but uh, I get a little bit upset when I propose a paranormal story. I'm asked to do a paranormal story, and the editors come back to me and say, gee, it, it's a little too serious, you know? This is supposed to be fun. Well, that's just it. When you have a serious case, like one of these cases that they were talking about, uh, well, at, at the conference, uh, was the Iranian case where mm -hmm. an F-4 Phantom was scrambled after the uh, craft. It had a series of what's known as lock-ons. In other words, the tr radar tracking system locked onto a, a target. Now, uh, a radar acquisition system is only going to lock onto something that is solid. It's not going to lock onto temperature inversions. It's not going to lock onto... Swamp you know, gas. Yeah, swamp gas and stuff. It's going to lock onto a hard target. That That's what it's designed for. It's not going to lock on to St. Elmo's fire and all this other crap right. that they try to Venus feed. or, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it could lock on to Venus, but it'd have to be a little bit closer, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. But You're getting the picture, basically. I, no, I understand. But when it, when it comes to, you know, the way that the media was handled with this, too, the media also back then wasn't the, I mean, when we talk about the Roswell case in, in Kecksburg, and, uh, the media wasn't as um, free-reigned as it is now either. I mean, Correct. things were a lot more yeah, controlled we'll, in general. We're, we're, we're said to have a free press. It isn't as free as most people think. Well, especially now, though, where, though, with the Internet and the fact that basically everybody's a mobile news crew because they have a cell phone that can make a call and take a video, right? take a picture. So it's harder to, you know, cover this stuff up. And, and this O'Hare case from last year is a perfect example of that where so many people saw what was going on and, it's been reported. There's photographs and video of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean you can find it if you look. It, it can't. It can't be buried and it can't be suppressed. And and you can see the media having a hard time trying to do that and not being able to. 
But uh, we will talk about at least uh, how the media has handled one case, the, the Bentwaters case, in just a little bit when we talk to Peter Robbins, author of the book Left at Eastgate. Uh, and we'll talk to him about that whole episode of Larry King. We'll talk to him about this National Press Club event, about the way that's been handled in the media, and we'll talk about how UFOs have been coming up in the presidential elections, too. So it's really interesting how uh, it's becoming a hot-button topic uh, as we get closer to you know what people predict is the eventual first contact or I, the official first contact. I, I think a lot of that has to do with this data getting out into the public before it gets rung through the the media, you well, know. Because before, you know, it would be, you know, sighting happens, person calls, authorities, or they call the media. Right. You know, they usually call one or the other. And now with the way that the whole world is set up now, if you, if, if I was to call, you know, Spooky Studios here in Fairhaven, if I was to call the Fairhaven Police Department, and say, I saw a UFO, well, they make their records available to the Standard Times website. So that'll be up on the Standard Times website saying UFO reported. Nobody might think anything of it, but somebody can pick that up and realize that that happened. Then UFO investigators like yourself or Chris Pittman or some of these people locally call up and say, you know, hey, what happened? What's going on? And then by the time anybody could get there to suppress it, it's already gone through this chain of people that have exactly. been able to keep it going and dug a little deeper into the story. That's what, I, uh, Like I said, I've been doing this tw almost 25 years. And from back then, the hard part was getting the reports because this is before the days of the Internet. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you, you would get reports literally like weeks or months later, in some cases years. And trying to follow it up is difficult because people's memories fade uh, you know the locations may have alterations to them somebody may have built a house or they removed a, a vital piece of you know aligning a uh, material that you can use to determine height and size and stuff like that and not to mention when that amount of time has passed it gives a person more time to convince themselves that it was something else that they saw right. or that they were mistaken and i mean uh, when you look at uh, some of these um some of these people who have come out in later years, like, for example, Myron, the, the, the Myron gentleman who spoke about the Kecksburg case and yes. what he saw at Wright-Patterson, you know, this is somebody who wasn't known as a witness till you know, many, many years later, 40 years later. Well, look at Walter Hawk, who finally, you know, t talked about what he saw after he left mm -hmm. in, in that affidavit after he died, you know, that was made public. So... You know, now that there is going to be more disclosure, we have to weed through, you know, how much of it is, hey, before I go, I want to be known as the guy that saw the UFO and, and how much of it is actual events. But I think that what's going on right now is definitely, uh, you know, we're reaching some sort of breaking point here where it's, it's going to have to be taken seriously. And we'll take it seriously, at least for the rest of tonight's show. Generally, people with intelligence take the subject seriously. And that's our audience. There you go. Our audience definitely has intelligence. But uh, we're going to numb their minds for a few minutes while we pay some bills. And then when we come back on the other side, we will talk to Peter Robbins, author of Left at Eastgate. And uh, he will talk to us about everything going on in the UFO world right now. Uh, and then later on in the second hour, we're going to have our weekly new segment, The Week in Weird. We're also going to tell you about a new UFO support group if uh, you've had a sighting or an encounter and you need some help. And then uh, later on in the show, Matt Moniz and I go head-to-head -head about whether or not the government should tell us everything they know and whether or not we could handle knowing. And we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. 
ready here on the dark side of the moon. Play the time counts. Studios of AM 1420 WBSF into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Welcome back into Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and we'll say hi to our special guest in the studio. Maybe we'll talk to her later on if she feels up for it. You know, we have, we we have a lot of people that have come and, and visit us here at Spooky Studio. Yes, we have. And, you know, it's an open invitation to any of our listeners if they want to. If they can find the studio. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, George Norrie broadcasts from uh, deep below the earth. Well, we're, we're above the earth, but it's still hard to find. And it's not in any real kind of secret location. I mean, when we try to have people in the studio as guests, you, you tell them, hey, where are you guys? You try to tell them, like, I don't know where that is. Okay, well, it's right between the 99 and the dirty video store. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where that is now. That's how you find us. And that's how you can find us if you want to pick up any prizes or anything that you might have won. Speaking of prizes, Matt Costa, the list is growing for these spooky South Coast bumper it stickers. Want, want to extend it one more week? Might as well do one more week. We one, have enough of we do. these bumper stickers. So. Have you guys sent anything out yet? No, we have not sent any out <clears throat> yet. We're gonna, I think we're going to collect all the names after this week and then send them all out all at once. once. Yeah, it's okay. a matter of being able to find envelopes that can fit them and, and finding out what the right postage is and everything so we can make sure that they don't get sent back to us. But if you would like to get a free Spooky South Coast bumper sticker, just email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and uh, we will put you on the list for a free bumper sticker. And you know, a lot of people, I'm interested in where people are sticking them, too. I mean, let us know where you're going to be sticking them. If you're going to be sticking them like in, on your locker in school and you're going to get in trouble, don't, don't take one. But, uh, you know, we've had a gentleman who runs a, a collision repair in, in Florida say he's going to put one uh, on his toolbox. Uh, we've had another guy, uh, I, I forget his name now, but uh, he actually is out on the roads. In Utah. In Utah. And he's actually, uh, he goes out there and repairs lines and everything, and, and he wants to put them on his truck. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, people in Utah, heck, they're out there in open sky country. They could be seeing UFOs Cattle left and right. Cattle mutilations. Yeah. So this one of the big hot spots. We want to let them know that we're around. And, and So there you go. If you would like to get a bumper sticker, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. But now let's go to the phones. Our guest is Peter Robbins. He is the author of Left at East Gate. He's been on the program before. He's a, a good friend of Matt Moniz's, and he's very tied into the UFO community. We're going to get his take on everything that's going on lately. How are you tonight, Peter? Very well. Yourself? Oh, spooktacular. <laughs> now... Uh, how much? How much have you been following what's been going on Monday and with everything that's going on with the uh, the Coalition for Freedom of Information? Well, um, fairly closely. Um, uh, to take it back a couple of weeks, it kind of uh, raised all our heads when uh, Chris Matthews went at Dennis Kucinich on Hardball, uh, uh, obviously trying to embarrass him with this reference in uh, Shirley MacLaine's book about having seen a UFO. And um, he, he certainly uh, said, yes, I did. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was a UFO. Uh, then, of course, they went at Governor Richardson, who uh, has been backtracking a little bit for reasons we can all understand. And uh, then, of course, we come up to the event on Monday where uh, a coalition of uh, uh, investigative writers, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel, um, John Podesta, who is former chief of staff for the Clinton White House, 
uh, are suing the government to get hold of the uh, Clinton-related uh, UFO papers. I expect that uh, there is no smoking gun in there, but a lot of interesting smoke. So it has been a very lively couple of weeks with sort of an interesting, slightly positive backlash, I think, in part from the Larry King Show, which I'm sure many of you listeners uh, saw along with me and others uh, last week, um, which was a pleasant surprise in that uh, two of the witnesses from the Rendlesham Forest incident, uh, a couple of distinguished journalists, and then in segments, uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, Shirley MacLaine uh, all got to come off very well. Uh, the only one who didn't was our obligatory kind of pinheaded uh, debunker who uh, I think really canceled his own ticket by repeatedly insulting the two military witnesses and telling them that uh, they didn't see what they had seen, even though he wasn't there to see it with them. Well, and of course, you know, your your book, Left at East Gate, that you wrote with Larry Warren, is about the, the Bentwaters case in the Rendlesham Forest and the incident that happened there. Yeah. And that was what a lot of the Larry King show focused on, and that is exactly what, what James McGaha, the skeptic, went after. Yeah, I was very pleased, actually, that uh, they were back to Rendlesham Forest, which for me is really the seminal UFO case um, that we have to work with. Larry and I spent almost 10 years developing uh, our investigation. And uh, as you know, um, it is available here in a wonderful new updated edition from Cosimo Press. Uh, but it was a bestseller in the United Kingdom and did uh, change the way people thought about the subject there. And, and they were fortunate enough on, on Larry King's show to have Colonel Hall and Sergeant Penniston on to talk about firsthand their experiences. Yes, I think it's a good uh, thing they didn't have them in the same room as our skeptic. <laughs> I think he might have gotten decked. Uh, it was just one insult too many, I thought. And, and Larry King repeatedly kept asking him, you know, are, are you calling these gentlemen a liar? I mean, these are respected members of the military, and, and he's, you know, he's asking him, are you calling them liars? And he went to that old skeptic phrase, well, I'm not calling them liars. I, I think that they, they believe they saw what they saw. Yeah, which is condescending uh, and belittling on another level because it now suggests that they're delusional or were at the time that they were assigned to these responsible uh, military posts in a very high-stress incident. So um, I don't think he did uh, his cause uh, any good with such a, a, a silly, uh, shallow, and again, extremely insulting uh, attack on the credibility of these individuals, and yet once again, actually bringing up the old lighthouse theory, you'd think they would have had enough of that one. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, Colonel Halt did a great job of uh, making sure that he threw up all the the variables in that in that theory. Yeah. When he, when he talked about how they couldn't even get you know the light from the lighthouse to shine otherwise, and and all of a sudden now it's going to be doing it with the intensity that the that this craft had. And I should say for any of your um, listeners who are familiar with this case or who have read Left at Eastgate or seen uh, other documentaries or read other books on it, you can stand in that field, Cable Green, the uh, the field where the big one, the last night's appearance of the machine and beings occurred. And on just the right night, staring through the woods, you can see the blink of uh, the um, uh, light as it turns in its tower you know, every X number of seconds, but as as uh, either Halt or Penniston said, uh, there is no way that you could confuse that. In Penniston's case, with a machine that was seven feet on each side, 
looked like black glass was moving through the woods at uh, about chest height uh, and uh, had hieroglyphics on it. That is not the same thing as a lighthouse through the woods, nor was the great moving eye kind of UFO that came toward Halt and his men and ultimately shined down what Halt could only describe as a, a laser-type beam right at their feet as it passed overhead. Uh, no. Um, once again, I think the, uh, stay, the case stands up wonderfully, and I'm really glad it was a centerpiece on the show. And we know Larry is a friend of the subject. Um, he's had Bud on and Stanton Friedman, and I remember a very big deal during uh, the 50th anniversary. But, you know, much as I, I feel we can use every one of the individuals in the media, large and small, that has the courage to say, yeah, I'm curious, let's bring these people on. Uh, I mean, I really like Larry King, but he strikes me as sometimes having a, a slightly short attention span. And if you flash the picture very quickly of Paris Hilton off to the side, you just sort of wander off stage. But um, <laughs> I thought he was a great MC, and it was a terrific show. And uh, maybe for some of the naysayers, if anybody expected uh, to have Shirley MacLaine come on and you know sound like some kind of New Age ditz, I'm sure they were terribly disappointed. She was commanding and uh, observant and intelligent and thoughtful and just reminded a lot of us why we fell in love with her when she was young and uh, has always been a great actress. But this is the real world, and uh, she, uh, she, she stood up very well, of course, as did uh, President Carter in the segment that they uh, spliced him in. I mean, and somebody like President Carter, you know, they're always going to add that caveat of I'm not saying it was, you know, an alien ship. I don't know what it was. It was unidentified. And I think that's the best um, really line for any of us to have unless you happen to have been on board and uh, uh, they registered what planet they're from. But uh, I think most of us, even those most knowledgeable, can only make better guesses than other people. I tend to feel my hair on my neck go up when people tell me they're experts in this subject or you know, launch into uh, the litany of there are 18 civilizations visiting us for 480,000 years from 43 different planets, and then they tell you why each one is here and what kind of cars they drive and that they eat mice and dust and, you know, um, what can you say? Have you been talking to Major Ed Dames? (laughs) It sounds like you might have been. (laughs) (laughs) There's a number of folks out there that take varying positions. I mean, I, I was trained um, to investigate this stuff pretty much like a cop investigates a crime, and I tend to frustrate um, some readers because I'm rather plotting. I, I don't get messages from aliens or spirits or channelers or Martians or anything. I mostly just have to look into it with my really pathetic human brain, what's left of it, and uh, you know, put together the pieces as well as we can. Well, it is good, though, that it is getting more media attention because, as I'm sure you know, when there's more media attention to the subject, then you get more reports. True. Um, I think also right now, as we enter increasingly politicized times, uh, we may see this issue come back at us in a way uh, that, once again, is you know derogatory or um, just kind of a... Um, a paper tiger signaling um, delusion or, you know, if you take UFOs seriously, then, you know, uh, how much should we trust you as president? Because we all know that this is kind of goofy. Um, 
So I, I think we'll be seeing it used more viciously, if at all, as it comes up uh, over the next weeks and months as we move into the presidential campaign. It would be nice to see it become a genuine political issue, and it's not out of the question. Uh, one good solid event, um, one or two candidates having the courage to come forward and saying, you know, if I'm elected, we should look into this. Um, we just never know. I, I wouldn't expect it uh, on the right at all, but um, if there is an event of any significance between now and you know showtime next November, um, who knows? Things can spin around very quickly, as we know, and uh, especially with an unnerving election like the one we have coming up, if indeed elections aren't suspended for whatever manufactured event would have that happen. But, of course, nothing like that would happen, not with this wonderful team. I think that uh, I think that what might happen too is this. This might be how things uh, get rolling in the future. Is you might have a candidate that doesn't talk about an interest in UFOs uh, or or exposing the topic, you know, either prove or disprove on the campaign trail. But you might have somebody who is elected into office and then makes that a priority once they're in office. Well, that would be good. Um, we saw something like that um, with Carter, who really did try uh, to find out, but essentially was put in his place. Uh, let's remember that even for presidents, and I think it's varied wildly, uh, what they uh, are told about this situation is based on what the forces that, that they feel they need to know. And that need-to-know basis is not established by anyone that uh, we elect and probably whose names we are even aware of. Um, also, uh, Clinton, we, we know that um, this was a very serious question to him, and he asked his uh, first attorney general to find out everything he could and from what i remember he pretty much hit the wall on it um and one also wonders how far uh you know you really do want to go as as opposed to how far you feel will look good or how far you can go again even as president i think it's fair to say and we'd all agree that uh, truman and eisenhower probably had a lot of knowledge on this um maybe less so for john kennedy except uh, that maybe he learned things. Um, Nixon, I'm sure, knew quite a lot, and uh, George Bush Sr. as well, because he was uh, certainly a former secretary, a uh, former head of CIA at that time. Oh, sure. Um, I would imagine that um, Jimmy Carter was not well briefed on this, uh, nor was Clinton. I think the forces that be felt um, that was the way they wanted to handle it. But again, I'm just guessing. Um, and again, um, I think I can make sometimes slightly better guesses folks that don't study it uh, as I do, but, um, you know, hey, anybody's opinion is worth looking at. We're dealing with the most extraordinary uh, series of possibilities here. Absolutely. Well, we have a call here for you, Peter, mm -hmm. if you don't mind taking it. Sure. Good evening. We're on Spooky South Coast with uh, Peter Robbins. How are you doing? Good. Gentlemen, how are you? Um, Good. I'll be honest with you, I'm a, a uh, open-minded skeptic, um, but uh, I just have a comment. I, I have to believe in, you guys talked about the way Everybody is a reporter today. You know, everybody in the world has the ability to report and put it out on the internet. Um, don't you think that there are governments, foreign governments out there that if they truly had information, uh, that they would love to discredit the American government and put it out there? Well, you mean by releasing their UFO documents to... Right. They have. Right. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, I think number one, uh, being that the... Uh, the American government, um, despite its shortcomings, is still the big kid on the block. I don't know how fast 
uh, I'd want to cross them, especially if I was a third world country. Um, but the point you make is very good, um, namely that a number of countries have been extremely forthcoming with their UFO-related documentation and case materials. Um, part of the problem is that it is not covered, and certainly or not covered seriously or in any depth, by uh, your major American press. Um, for example, Belgium and France have um, put forward tremendous amounts of their UFO-related documents, and some of them are very compelling. Uh, Mexico. Um, Russia. Um, yeah. Um, uh, a number of the Central American republics, but especially South America, Central America, uh, UFO sightings are literally endemic down there the last years. And uh, I don't know, you know, how many recordings there have been made of UFOs, authentic unknowns for what that is, uh, over Mexico City over the last 10, 15 years or so. Um, again, part of the problem is that this stuff does not filter into our media. But other governments have been uh, active in getting information out there. And, um, you know, if you were to travel to Brazil or Mexico right now and talk with people about how they felt at any level, uh, sociopolitically, whatever, uh, this is a subject that is taken much more seriously there. And it's not because they're mystical, uneducated people. It's because it's really happening. It's really being observed, and it's really being reported in their television and newspaper uh, uh, venues, un unlike it is here. Do you think our government actively um, stops information on the Internet about it? Because to me, the Internet is it's still kind of a big wilderness, and yeah. I, I think it, it can be controlled by the government. I think but I think there's, yeah. there's lots of countries out there that, you know, kind of let the people do what they want on the Internet. And, um, and I haven't really looked on the Internet yeah. to see how much information is out there. But um, I just kinda, I just would think that if the information is out there, it somehow it's going to get published on the Internet. Well, I think, number one, um, although I disagree with a number of my colleagues, I don't think or don't think yet there is a uh, governmental control over the Internet. I think as it becomes, uh, um, you know, as we, as we live more and more in a repressive society, that's not out of the question. So, yeah, things do end up there, but who finds them? Who believes them? Um, if you find uh, a piece of information that, that may actually, you know, have some genuine scholarly or research basis to it, but you find it on, um, you know, a chat site discussing UFO sightings in the Midwest, uh, especially if you're, you're, you're not a student of the subject, your eyebrow will probably go up and wonder how authentic this is. It's, after all, it's a bunch of people that believe in UFOs. Um, that discreditation factor uh, that um, hangs over it um, has been there for 60 years now, and it's still very effective. People's minds are changing, but one at a time, you know, not geometrically doubling every 18 months or something. And very often it's based on people who have had sightings or experiences or um, been taken into the confidence of somebody who has, who, who they trust and take seriously. Um, do, you have, do you have time for just one more quick uh, Well, of course. Um, I, I appreciate talking to you. Um, I, uh, as a child, uh, a young man, I lived uh, in England on a Lake and Heath, um, RF Lake and Heath, uh, wow. military base. Uh, my father was in the Air sure. Force. Um, about 50 miles away from there, there was uh, a base called Chick Sands. And Chick Sands was a listening post. Um, there was no airplanes that flew out of there, but they had a huge antenna 
Um, and it was closed a few years ago. I guess our government um, was able to get the information through satellite technology, and they no longer needed um, chicks' hands. But I can remember talking to my grandpa. My grandfather was English, uh-huh. and he had talked to people um, in Bedford, Bed- Bedford, England, of all places, is right next to chicks' hands. Um, and that was very active for pe- in that area for people reporting strange sightings. And that was because, I believe, of the uh, big antenna there. I think you may be onto something there. Um, first, the area of England that we're talking about, the southeast part of England. Uh, although, England, there, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Um, although there have been many uh, American and British bases closed, uh, there is still a very strong military contingent. There is also still uh, a very strong NSA listening post factor, which may be one of the reasons they ultimately closed this down because the uh, NSA could do the job better in the area. Also, it is an area that continues to have um, uh, a, a very lively uh, percentage of UFO sightings and other anomalous activities. Um, uh, it, it took me a long time in, in investigating the Rendlesham Forest incident to realize we have a number of things going on in the same wonderful corner of England, uh, a history of uh, advanced military research and development, um, tests and deployment of craft that uh, in some cases were deployed there first. Our, um, I, I was lucky enough um, with Larry in our early days of researching to actually see uh, an SR-71, a Blackbird, coming right off one of the, uh, well, the classified runway. Out of Milden Hall. Uh, they, used to fly, they used to fly the U-2 out of Milden Hall. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that 306 uh, Strategic Air Command was in Milden Hall. Every Tuesday and Thursday, you just see it take off. It, uh, it, it, it was like clockwork. Yeah. And, um, and yep. where were they flying? They were flying to Russia. They were flying, you know, flying to China, taking pictures and coming back. And it was, um, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a hotbed for things like that. So it I really think is. And I, I also think that if there is a legitimate thing that we would call UFOs that are truly unknown, representing technology more advanced than ours from places unknown, that one of the things they would want to be keeping an eye on on the planet Earth are our military installations, uh, especially ones with a nuclear capability. Um, and this, in both cases, is true about that area in Suffolk. So um, it is also a wonderful area, and I don't mean to make it sound doomy and gloomy. I love it. And uh, for anybody on holiday uh, with an interest in, in UFOs and the paranormal, you can visit a charming part of England with lovely people with a real history. And again, if you go to uh, the Rendlesham Forest ex- uh, area, uh, I'm still proud to say that not only do uh, I see people in the woods occasionally with Left at Eastgate as their guide, but I guess about half a dozen years ago, the uh, Suffolk Forestry Commission sort of gave in on their resentment of people coming to the area for what they call UFO-related tourism and earmarked, I don't know, about 10,000 pounds to create a quote-unquote UFO walking trail through the forest with beautiful wood and metal signs. And I believe once a week you can meet at the central sign at a certain time. And a Suffolk Forestry Ranger will take you on a several-mile, several-hour UFO walk through the woods. Uh, I was lucky enough to do it shortly after it opened with a friend, and the ranger not only knew who I was, but... um, very uh, funny told us that he had a very tight script and it was extremely conservative 
that he had to follow in giving people this tour. Um, and he asked me uh, if I wouldn't mind uh, that there wasn't any rule that he had been told against me allowing uh, me to talk after he spoke. So I had the great fun of co-leading this tour of about 50 lovely people from Britain on Boxing Day, the day after Sunday uh, a year and a half ago, and taking them um, through the trail as I knew the story to be. Uh, but it is a wonderful part of England. All right, Very interesting. All right, take care. Thank you. Very, yes, you're most welcome. How nice. And uh, not not to cut them short, but we are running up against the break here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if anybody is interested in finding some of those French and Belgian documents like you were talking about, I know that if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, check some of the backlogs and the blog, we have links there. But they are out on Google. Uh, they're easy to find, and they're very in-depth, especially the French documents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Peter, what's uh, what's coming up on, on your calendar? Uh, anything? Um, uh, well, I just finished uh, speaking out in Nevada at the 5th Annual Crash Retrieval Conference in Las Vegas. In fact, let's see, it's Saturday night now. Believe it or not, Monday afternoon, uh, I was driving along the high desert in Nevada, about 5,000 feet with a friend, along the Area 51 Perimeter Road, and it was very sobering. Um, I don't know if, if you're aware. We all know it's a big base, but it's bigger than Holland. It's absolutely massive. And um, conference went very well. Um, my next two coming up are both in February. One is uh, the biggest in the country annually. That's the International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada, coming up in um later, uh, well, it actually goes into March. I think it's eight full days and a huge number of speakers and upwards of 800 or 900 attendees. Uh, I think their website is uh, IUFOC, International UFO Congress, uh, .com. Um, and the week before, we have something new happening. I don't even know if they have a web presence yet, but um, we're hoping to uh, have this conference uh, grow into an annual. In any case, the good people with New Jersey MUFON are putting together a conference, I think it's for the third weekend, uh, second or third weekend of February in Atlantic City. And um, as soon as I get some information on that uh, for sure, I'll forward it to you guys. I, I know they have a good speaker's lineup, and if it's a go and successful, we might once again have a good annual UFO conference here in the Northeast, which, as Matt knows, we have not had for a number of years. Since Omega. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for joining us. My pleasure, guys. And definitely. Um, I look forward to doing this again and sooner. And in the meantime, Matt, may see you this weekend in New York. We'll try to tear up the town a little. You guys behave yourself and stay spooky. All right. Take care, Peter. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Peter Robbins, author of Left at Eastgate and uh, one of our favorite people in, in the ufology field. He's definitely got a, a nice nice perspective on things uh, you know being able to, to comment on the media reports and we'll talk about that more coming up in hour number two and of course Matt Moniz and I will go head to head about whether or not you can handle knowing more about UFOs so stay tuned after the CBS News with more here on Spooky South Coast Lost Civilizations Extraterrestrials Myths and Monsters Missing Persons magic and witchcraft unexplained phenomena for 58 years fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown 
Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal, angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible. Spooky South Coast is back. Spooktacular. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. Back hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And we are talking about UFOs tonight. We will be getting back into that subject in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to do our, our weekly news segment in a second. But we want to let everybody know about a new group called Starborn Support. It is a support group for people who have had UFO encounters. They have questions. They need answers. They need some help. They just need somebody to talk to. They're especially focusing on people in the New England area because, of course, the, the founder of Starborn Support is in the New England area, so it kind of works out well that way. But uh, right now they, they have a MySpace uh, for Starborn Support if you want to check it out and find out more. If you go to the blog at SpookySouthCoast.com, we have a link up there right to it. And, of course, we've been sending out MySpace bulletins, uh, promoting it as well. We will continue to do so. And as always, if anybody ever has a UFO encounter and they, they want to share it with us, we more than welcome that. You can email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can send us a message on MySpace, MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. Let us know what's going on. Tell us what happened. Uh, we'll be happy to pass the information on to a UFO investigator in your area. Matt Moniz is pretty plugged into the community, so he can help you find somebody locally that you can have talk to and, and investigate the case as well. I mean, we're getting to the point now where, as this is becoming more and more uh, prevalent in the media, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to create hoaxes, and you know, there's going to be all these false reports, and we got to be on the lookout for that. But also, hopefully, it'll make the people that have genuine encounters, you know, feel comfortable coming forward and reporting them. Yeah, luckily with most hoaxes, they're pretty easy to spot off, you know, right off the bat. Except that last one from Haiti, that was really good. That looked very nice. Uh, that's actually a um, trailer, parts for a movie that's coming up, I believe. Oh, well, I mean, the, the way that they had it going, I mean, people were convinced that, you know, this was first contact because it was this hovering right over the palm tree. Beautiful. Beautiful work, whoever created that. I'm, I'm happy with that. It's, like, way better than, like, stuff that you see in movies. What's, what's up with movies lately? They're getting their butts kicked by people at home with Photoshop. <laughs> you know what would be weird? What would be weird? As if uh, we made our own UFO movie. It could be like Mars Attacks 2. Okay. <laughs> yeah, would that be weird? Yeah. No? No. What else is weird? We gotta work on better ones for that. All oh, bad news. And well, I got a great show for you today, which is wonderful. Weird stuff. 
I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> the Week in Weird. And let's see, if it wasn't a weird enough week with all the UFO news out there, this comes from stlouistoday.com. In St. Charles, Missouri, City Parks Director Marley Britton rejected a request from a ghost hunting group to spend the night in city-owned Oak Grove Cemetery. Britton said she and her agency's cemetery advisory committee decided that a midnight to 3 a.m. stakeout proposed by a small St. Charles-based group called Paranormal and Spirit Seekers, quote, was just not in our best interests. She said she got more than 15 complaints about the group's proposal from residents, including some relatives of people buried at the cemetery. Britain also cited liability concerns and the need to have a city employee on hand. She said a city ordinance requires the cemetery to close at dusk. And, of course, we've talked in the past about cemetery investigations. And, you know, here we have an example. We always tell people, get permission. Ask permission because nine times out of ten, you'll be granted permission as long as you go forward in a respectful and professional manner. And here's an example of, you know, that one out of ten where they asked for permission and they were denied. I mean, there's what kind of, you know, recourse does this group have? Pretty much none. Exactly. I mean, I, I guess if it's a city-owned cemetery, they could... They can appeal. Yeah, because it's, you know, a city property and and whatever this ordinance is, if, if, unless they, you know, I, I'm sure that they could be just talking out of their butts when it comes to saying, oh, well, we have an ordinance. If they can, you know, produce a physical copy of the ordinance and show them that, you know, then maybe they have nowhere to go. But in, until that point, I'd keep trying. Well, bear in mind, it's, you're dealing with a government bureaucracy and with ordinances, ordinances can be removed by a uh, public ballot. There you, you go, you, yeah. Yeah, you can make the proposed change, have it put on your next election ballot, and have that ordinance removed. So to our friends at uh, Paranormal and Spirit Seekers out in Missouri, if you're hearing the sound of our voice, please contact me, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and, and we want to definitely follow along with what goes on. Uh, hopefully you're not just going to take this lying down. Get cemetery lying down. All right, one more quick story for you. This comes from um, some video game website that I found. Sierra Entertainment, a division of Vivendi Games and Consumer Products, have jointly announced that they are developing Ghostbusters, the video game, based on the films. They already had a Ghostbusters video game for Nintendo. It wasn't really that good. But it might actually, this one actually might be quite decent. Like the films before it, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis will return to script the storyline that will lead the player through the trials and tribulations of the world's leading paranormal ghostbusting team. Fans will be delighted to hear that the game will feature the original cast from the classic Ghostbuster films. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson are all back again for the first time in more than 20 years, which is not true, because 1989 was Ghostbusters 2, but I digress. <laughs> Equipped with a variety of unique weapons and gadgets, players will hunt, fight, and capture a wide range of supernatural villains in a funny and frightening battle to save New York City from its latest paranormal plague. Ghostbusters, the video game, is expect expected to launch... In autumn of 2008. So maybe this is that long-awaited Ghostbusters 3 that we've heard about. Maybe they're now deciding to turn it into a video game. So whatever works. As long as we get more Ghostbusters, I'm happy. <laughs> All right, Matt Costa, what do you have for us? A German businessman plans to launch the country's first television channel dedicated to funerals and mourning, complete with death announcements and documentaries about cemeteries. The channel, which will be called Etos, Etos TV is meant to inform people about funeral practices and acts as a counter to a growing trend in Germany <coughs> to, be, to be buried anonymously. 
So says the German Undertakers Association. Every person has left his mark, raised children, paid taxes, or done something, and we would like to show some respect to them. This channel will inform people in a discreet, serious way how to bury their loved ones. The channel is the brainchild of entrepreneur Wolf Tillman Schneider, who said he would like, like it to air sometime before Christmas, but still needs to secure more funding. It will offer a death announcement service where, for about 2,000 euros, which is, I don't know how many dollars. A lot. A lot, yeah. A photograph, a photograph of the deceased will be shown, accompanied by either background music or a reading of a message in his or her memory. What I want to know is, what does that have to do with toast? I don't know. Eat Toast TV? Eat Toast TV. Is that, was that what it was? was Eat Toast? Eat Toast. Eat Toast. I don't that know if that's German or... No, I'm not sure. But it sounds like it might have something to do with Eternal. Something yes. yes. Well, there you go. Uh, do you think that if it if it happens, do you think we can get like Comcast to carry? Big brain on this guy. <laughs> you think we can get Comcast to carry Eat Toast te Television? Maybe. I either want, you know, the Death Channel, or I want a, just a video of a guy eating toast. Either that, or we'll just make our own channel about one of us eating toast. That's true. You know, I'm pretty just sure we could we could film any of that and put it on cable access. Matt Moniz, uh, Peter Robbins kind of alluded to the story a little bit while we were talking to him, but you have some more information for us about Bill Clinton and his emails. And it's it's not dirty, folks. You don't have to have the kids turn down the radio. It doesn't involve anything with stains or anything like that. All right, there you go. I know. <laughs> From the Associated Press. In a move sure to provide fodder for conspiracy theorists, the Clinton Library withheld emails with the subject lines like X-Files and Area 51 from a batch of documents recently released at a UFO buff's request. National Archives officials made several files, ranging from a White House staffer's obsession with the TV show The X-Files to President Clinton's push to hook up Sci-Fi Channel at Camp David, available for viewing last Saturday in Thursday's response to the Freedom of Information Act request. Several pages, however, were withheld because they would, quote, constitute a clear and unwarranted invasion of personal privacy, according to the National Archivist. Among these released pages, 27 came from the files of former White House Chief of Staff John Podesta, a fan of the X-Files. And Peter Barker, a Washington Post reporter, replied on uh, Podesta's interest in uh, the show to persuade him to help on a book about the White House. Why I am skeptical that this book constitutes an opportunity for us, Podesta wrote in uh, March of 2000, sorry, 1999, actually, in an email to Barker, who had eventually wrote a book about the former president's impeachment and trial. Because any good X-File fan is skeptical by nature, and understandably so, Baker replied the next day. In 1995, a group called Project Starlight Coalition sent President Clinton a letter asking him to declassify any documents about extraterrestrials or UFOs. Two months later, an aide replied that he had forwarded the request for a meeting to White House staff. The President's associates, uh, your interest, long-standing involvement in this issue, said James Dorskin, a special assistant to the president wrote to members of the coalition. The files also included an email between White House spokesman Patricia F. Lewis, Mary Ellen 
uh, Glenn over a, a Hollywood report questioning about Clinton's insistence on installing the Sci-Fi Channel at the presidential retreat. I know we're going to get to talk about it, but it's one of the better questions I've heard in a while and I wanted to share, Lewis wrote. The records were being released in response to a slew of requests from UFO enthusiasts, one of them being Grant Cameron, who operates a website on presidential history with extraterrestrials. Cameron has several other requests pending, one for all the files on the Kennedy assassination. You gotta have my sci-fi channel. Xena reruns. <laughs> all right. You know, that that's pretty interesting, though, that, that President Clinton wanted to have the sci-fi channel. I wonder if President Bush watches the sci-fi channel. Yeah. I think he watches a lot of Nicktoons. <laughs> Does he? I don't know. Well, I'm assuming. Some uh, Cartoon Network. Cartoon Cartoons. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Well, there you have it. That is the Week and Weird for this week. If you have a Week and Weird story you'd like to pass along, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the message board, go to the Week and Weird thread, drop the story or a link to it in there, and if we read the story on the air, we will give you full credit, and we will send you a bumper sticker. So uh, you want to make sure that you send along anything that strikes your fancy as being weird or unusual. We have a caller on the line. We hope that you'll stay on. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more on UFOs here on Spooky South Coast. Iowa Mountain Tour. The Iowa Mountain That's Tour? That's what they're called. Like Iowa the country or Iowa the stereo company? Iowa the uh, state. The state. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know if you were saying Iowa or Iowa. You have a, you have a cold, so you should take care of that. Take, care, take better care of yourself. You're in radio, man. Cough, cough on the microphone so you make everybody else sick here in the studio. Go ahead, <laughs> do it. Cough. I'll lick on it. Okay. I'll lick it. All right. Well, we have a call on the line that they've been patiently waiting. Let's go to the phones. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Yes, hello, is it me? Yes, that's yes. you. Um, I have a question. Do I have to stick to UFOs? No, not at all. Okay, I have a question. Um, a while back, I had heard something about, something about the DeMello family of Westport. And unfortunately, when it came on the show, I missed the show that day, and I've been listening, trying to hoping it will be brought up again. My mom was married to a DeMello, and I have no idea what this is about, and I was very curious about that. You think maybe you could just touch on that a little bit? The DeMello family uh, of, Westport. of Westport, the ones who had the encounter with the entity that followed them. Okay, can I just hang up and listen on the radio? Because I can hardly hear you on the phone. Sure, absolutely. All right, thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, what, what she's talking about is actually an episode that we do have coming up where uh, Thomas DeMello uh, co-authored a book with his friend Thomas Nickerson. Uh, it's called Our Demons, Our Forefathers, and it's about a haunting in Westport. Uh, that took place at their home for a number of years, and I, I followed them from one home to another. And uh, I guess it's still going on today. Tom Nickerson was telling me that there is still some activity going on uh, today. We're going to try and book that show not next week because we have Jim Mars coming on. And we, we, it's, it's very important that we talk to Jim Mars 
uh, in time for the anniversary of the JFK assassination. So we'll have Jim Mars on next week. We're hoping we can pull together this show for the week after that, December 1st, because we're going to have both uh, Tom Nickerson talking about that case and, and hopefully Tom DeMello if he's available, as well as uh, some people who live in uh, Akushnet and are having a, a similar case going on in their house. So we're going to put it into one big, huge local haunt show together. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make sure that we can swing it with a three-hour block. I'm trying to work with Pete Braley to make sure that we can get a three-hour block that night so we can give this plenty of time and, and really tell the story of these two big local haunts. So that's what that's all about. You know, nothing nothing bad about the DeMello family. We definitely wouldn't be talking bad about them, but we will share their experiences and, and talk about the book that Tom and Tom wrote. And it's actually available in bookstores now, and uh, if you buy the Taps Para magazine, they have an ad in it every month for that book. So definitely make sure you get your hands on a copy of it. Uh, I'm sure you can get it at the local bookstores as well. We have another caller here. Beautiful. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. I had called uh, some weeks ago when, when I uh, mentioned about uh, when I saw a UFO. Uh, the only thing I, I do regret is I didn't have a camera handy, which, you know, it's not like today with cell phones and all that. Because I think, you know, that would have really, I'll tell you, that would have, not to brag, but that would have been one of the best close-ups of one. I mean, it was I was that close. Why don't you just quickly recount for the for the listeners uh, what you saw? I was uh, playing outside with uh, a few friends, and uh, we were just running around the house. And uh, I happened to see at the corner of my eye, in the corner of the house, something hovering above it. And uh, I had called some of my other friends and said, you see that? Look at that. You know, and he said, uh, that's some new that's a helicopter or whatever and I mean, we was involved in play and he just kept going but I just I went to the corner I wanted to see this better you know and uh and, and what did it look like Desi uh, explain the design to people well it was uh, I guess I don't, I don't know I guess I don't use the word standard but it was it was silver in color uh, like a disc shape yeah a disc shape it had windows but they were like uh, I want to say smoked or whatever I couldn't see I mean there was windows all around it. I mean, it was it was just, a, actually, it's beautiful. I just saw, uh, I guess it was about 15, 20 feet above the house, the kind of house. What year? Uh, about 1967. It was like August of 67. Uh, uh, doing a an article and writing a book about the UFO flap that happened in 1967 from New Bedford all the way into Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. There are literally hundreds of cases from that summer in this one congested area. Jeez, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, this was either Ju I, I want to say August, maybe July, August. I mean, it was you know quite a while ago. I was like 12 years old. And, uh, I mean, I did. I guess even if I knew the, I mean, there was a camera at home, but I didn't want to. You know, when you see something, you want to. Yeah, you don't want to leave it. Yeah. You, you right. You want to leave it. You want to like you. You're using. You know, mine is the camera. You want to remember every little detail, which I, you know, never forget anything about it. I mean, I was even under it because I, as it started moving away, I ran. I mean, I want to look underneath it, well, and uh, it was just, it was just amazing because actually it took off slow. I mean, it was really slow, and then finally, you know, when it was in the distance, way in the distance, it was like it was gone. It shot up, but uh, it was just. 
They said if I had to have a movie camera or a, you know just a regular Polaroid camera, that would have been. Uh, it would have been. I mean, there was no way to describe the pictures that I was that close. And unfortunately, it wouldn't be enough to to convince everyone. There's always going to be the skeptics that you know even the best footage won't be enough. Uh, oh, sure, it would have been. It actually, would have been for myself. Well, sure. Uh, let me ask you a question, though. Having had your own experience, what do you think of all this this new information coming out in the media about UFOs and and how it's being handled by the media? Do you think that they're you know taking the subject too lightly, or do you think that maybe the tide is starting to turn and and more people are going to be serious about it now? I think it's. Maybe the title turn a little, but uh, it's. I think seriously, uh, it's going to stay like Big Four. Everything else, I don't think we're going to ever, ever. You know, to talk about contact and all this. No way, no way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what I saw, I don't know where it was from. Could have been from. I mean, you know what I mean? Could have been from uh, United States. Could have been. I just, I don't know. Yeah, it could have been some sort of classified, right. you know, something that we don't know about. Matt Moniz, let me ask you about this, uh, you know, while, while we're talking about this. There's been similar bumps, though, in the past in media coverage where there's been, you know, some sort of UFO-related event, and it gets taken seriously for a little while, and then it reverts back to, to how it's been in the past? Yes. One primary example would be what we had most recently in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was taken very seriously. Uh, you, when you have basically the entire population of a major metropolitan city, you know, witnessing events, you're you can't referring just, to, the, to the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, you can't just you know sweep that immediately under the rug. They did it s- slowly later on. You know, first, it was taken as a serious thing, and then later on, the typical guffaw that would follow, you know, as a um, I, I would call it a diffusement technique in order to, you know, put things back to your original status quo. Well, that sounds like the debate we're about to get into, actually. Well, we thank you for calling in and, and sharing and, and discussing with us. Uh, and, you know, we wish you'd had a camera, too, because Matt could really use that photo for his book. Well, well you, I mean, no, you were welcome to it. I just, uh, I just, I mean, like I said, I didn't want to leave because I try to remember everything I could. And, I mean, it wasn't a thing I ran and told everybody. Because, you know, you don't, I mean, uh, I know the flack I would have got, so I just, I mean, since telling it well, the first time I said it on, on the show, maybe I told that story maybe three times yeah. in far, almost 40 years. So it's just, it's like, a, it's just something I, I'll remember, and I'm glad I saw it. i never seen anything since, so. Well, you're grateful that you got a chance to see what you've seen. And now, it was a summer's day, I can say about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I mean, it was perfect. It was a perfect shot. I mean, it was felt, you know, like you almost reach out and touch it. That's how close. I mean, there was nothing, no identifiable marks. Uh, there was just, I remember the, always stuck in my head, the windows. I just, you know, you want to be so close you could see it. But it was like, like a fry, I'd say frosted windows all the way around. But. How about if I ask you to do this? Are you online? Yeah. All right. Go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, mm-hmm. and write out everything that you remember put drawings in and if you can and what have you you know make sure you include the location of where you saw at the time if you know you know all the pertinent information make like your own report of however you want to put it together and send it to us we'll put it up on our board and let other people look at it and I'll also uh, use it to help put in the article in the books that I'm currently writing on that subject 
Um, I'm not sure if I, 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 you know, I did that actually um, quite a while ago. It is. It, there is a posting on the message board. Yeah, there is a posting. I, I mean, I didn't put, I'm not sure if I put uh, the street names or whatever, but I did put the story in the, in the web board. Well, I'll, okay. I'll get the report to Matt, but if you want to just shoot him an email, scienceadvisor at spookysouthcoast.com, just to make sure that you guys can get in contact off the air and he can follow up with any questions he might have. For oh, you. yeah, no problem. I'll do that. All right. Thank All right. You. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good have a good night. And, of course, if anybody else has any experiences that they'd like to call up and share and discuss with us, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. But now it comes to the time of the show where Matt and I get to go head-to-head here. Okay. Because... We talked about this a little bit earlier on the phone when we were when we were putting together the show, and, and you mentioned last week that you think that there's a lot of information that the government has about UFOs that the general public wouldn't be able to handle if they knew. I'm of the opinion that whatever they know about this subject matter, I want to know it too. And I, I don't think that there's anything that I can't handle. That's you. What about your neighbor? How do you know your neighbor isn't going to be put over the edge because their religious beliefs... Um, it puts them into question. The person then takes out, you know, their shotgun and decides they're going to take everybody out because, you know, the aliens are invading. Well, you know, the way I look at it though is, and I, I said this to you earlier. Once you get over that initial shock of the fact that yes, they have come here, we can confirm that there's been interaction between our government and and these races, whatever, you know, whatever. You, information they come out with once that's been revealed and been confirmed i think that kind of takes away the shock of it and everything that kind of follows after that is like okay you know what i mean it's like once once that shock is over with then everything that comes out is kind of like ancillary to that it's like all right well and also by the way they're creating huge stockpiles of weapons that they're hiding behind the moon that they have pointed directly at us you know that's just stuff that is kind of expected once you find out that, yes, they have been here, they've been visiting us, they've been watching us. Are you saying they're stockpiling weapons of mass destruction? No. <laughs> I know, I know. George Bush will have a, a group going out behind the moon to look at yeah, That one would be, definitely be one way we would get it, you know, declassified. Tell them that Absolutely. aliens are stockpiling weapons of mass destruction behind the moon. But, well, the, the way I see it, though, and like you said, you know, certain religious beliefs are going to come into play, and and all that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have to be religious. A person can ha- just have that mindset, you know, without any one particular faith being involved, of it, you know, not being able to handle the fact that, you know, they're not at the top of the evolutionary chain. But think, look through history and look, look through your scientists. You look at all the things that have been discovered over the course that of time w- that have had that same that type it, of effect. And look what it's done to humanity in history. A couple of quite a few times we've almost wiped ourselves out because of things we've come across but still the would you have preferred to not have found out that the world is round would you prefer to have not found out that you know man is in the center of the universe that we didn't come from adam and eve you know would you prefer not to have found this stuff out and then lived in that ignorant bliss or are you glad that mankind did find out and then whatever happened happened and we were able to move on as a species I think we were lucky in most of those cases to have moved on as a species. But I think the the trouble with this particular topic is um, you can't release all of the information at once. It's too much. Well, too much, talk, I mean, you know. Not necessarily at once. I mean, you have to have some sort of buffer zone for people to accept what's accepted. But I, I don't want 
the government to say or the military to say, we've got this, this, and this, and we're not telling you the rest of it. Okay. Most of these people have a hard enough time accepting what this government does to its population, even without with, without holding you know information about life elsewhere. I'll give you a primary example. Most people, even though this is written up in all kinds of history books and you can look it up in you know the mainstream media, the government has been doing tests on its own population for a number of years. Uh, they would drive around with certain uh, basically innocuous chemicals, releasing them in urban environments and seeing what the effects were in simulations for uh, terror gas attacks. And this is long before 9-11. They would inject people with radioactive materials such as plutonium uh, and to study their effects. Same thing with venereal diseases. A lot. This government has perpetrated a lot of experimentation, which that, has that been was, found. That was just Bill Clinton. No, this is true. But I'm talking you now. You as a journalist know the stories I'm referring oh, to. Oh no, I, I'm familiar. And this is known, documented cases where the government does do stuff like this, and it withheld that information from the people. This is without done to the American population without their knowledge and or consent. I'm pretty sure you'd know about it if they injected you with something, though. That's just me. Ow! Damn! Yes, they injected. No, the, know, they inject. They knew they were being injected, but they were it, under under false pretenses. Right. Yeah. Well, why don't we go to the phones here and take this call? See who's on the line. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello. Hi. Hi. I uh, I had a UFO sighting, just like the gentleman before. Well, was it recent or in the past? Uh, uh, 1981. Okay, whereabouts? Uh, you're familiar with Chamberlain's. Yep, New, uh, New Bedford. Yeah, New Bedford. She she lived on. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. My wife. It was me, her, and a friend, and we were walking towards. Uh, we're facing uh, the airport, and I noticed this blue light. You're facing north. Yeah. Okay. And I thought it was a, a plane. There's always planes there. So I started joking around about. You know, it looks like a UFO. started joking about it, and it started getting bigger and bigger, and in a matter of minutes, it was over us, and it turned out to be a UFO. Could you, uh, could you describe it? Yeah, it was, what, what, I, what I saw and what my wife saw, she remembers seeing all the silver disc, but I was under, I stood underneath it while they, her and her friend ran away, they got scared, I, what I saw was light. All around, and it was like I could have hit him with a stick or something, and it was really quiet. No engine noise, no, no exhaust. No, nothing, no. What color were the lights? Uh, first of all, like red, blue, all, all kinds of colors just spinning around. I, I actually saw it coming towards us, you know. Up. Now, you see, the lights were spinning around. Do you yeah, remember was, the direction they were spinning? Uh, counterclockwise. Like it's just a beautiful looking thing, and it uh, uh, right over Brook Street. Are you familiar with that? Yep, I'm quite familiar with New Bedford. And uh, I'm nervous about this, but uh, That's, don't be, don't be. Yeah, no, no. I'm glad you guys are talking about this today because I've always listened to your show and I wanted to tell this story. Uh, so well, I stayed behind while they ran away. They got really scared, and I stayed underneath it for about a. 
minute or so, and I just it just left to the south of me, and uh, all the lights turned white. And as I ran down after them, I kept looking back and it was still going slowly. And uh, the next day there was talk about people seeing a blimp over the city. But I know it wasn't a blimp. I had seen uh, the good Goodyear blimps. They used to fly over New Bedford. Yep. And I knew how they moved and everything. And this this was uh, it was a spaceship. So it was, it was at nighttime. Do you remember the uh, exact time of year? Would you happen to know? Yeah, the it was uh, it was in the it was in the fall, and that night there was a folk was having a uh, football game, and okay. a lot of people had seen the, the they, they had said they had seen a blimp flying around. Do you remember who Voke was playing at that no. game? No, but I have a, a I had my wife my wife's an, uh, an artist, so I had her sketch what we had seen or what she had seen. So I got a few drawings of it and stuff like that. Do you still have them? Yeah. We'd be very interested in seeing them. Absolutely. And we are definitely honored, sir, for you sharing this with us. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been wondering. I, I've reported this to the National, uh, National UFO. Uh, I got all my stories in there. But I, uh, after, all, after this happened, I've, I've been looking. I've always looked. And I've had uh, other sightings, too. That I, that I, that I've sketched of what I seen. I had one in uh, another one in '97. Same area. Uh, th this one was in Fairhaven. Because uh, every night I looked. So that second time I, uh, I, I actually broke down and cried because I, you know, because I've been looking for years and years. Just '81. Uh, but I got a whole bunch of sketches of stuff that I've seen. Whereabouts in Fairhaven in '97? Right off of Sycamore Street. Okay. Actually, I've had like two sightings off of that area. I, I the first one I had on that area there was like uh, all colorful lights again. And as I was looking up, this thing flew over me and stopped for a second and took off again. I knew it was something that you know another thing. Then another night, uh, years later, if I go to bed, I look out the window, you know, every night. Uh, actually saw a ball of light flying around, and I, I also drew stuff of what I saw of that. So, if you guys are interested in seeing the stuff that I've seen, I, mean, I got all stories all down and everything. And I, I also have stories from other people from around this area. That, Anything you got, we would love to, you know, look at with you. Uh, would uh, it be possible to bring stuff in? I mean, yeah, we can we can definitely work something out. Uh, do you have email capability? Yeah. Okay, why don't you shoot us an email at spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com? Yeah. That's right up on our website, spookysouthcoast.com, and we'll arrange a time when when Matt Moniz will definitely be here, and we can sit down with you maybe before the show and go over some of the stuff. Yeah, oh. I'm on vacation all next week. I know. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I, I've been wanting to. Uh, Report this. But I mean, I've reported to the National uh, UFO uh, Center in there, but and I know there's a lot. Of, they recorded it and just made a note of it and moved yeah, on. Yeah, you know, I, I forgot his name. Uh, what are the uh, UFOs? Uh, National UFO Center. Uh, I got my stories in there, but I also have. I've talked to. I, I, I'm not afraid to talk about it. 
So the more I talk about it, the more people tell me they've seen things. And there's a lot of a lot of stories from around this area on UFOs. I'd be amazed. Well, we definitely would love to hear uh, hear them all too. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll check the website and. Uh, definitely, please get a hold of us and. And you can always feel comfortable and tell everybody else that has encounters. They can always feel comfortable getting in touch with us. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir, very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. So, the, and that is that's what we're here for. I mean, we we come on every week and we bring you these different topics in the paranormal field, and we we talk to you about these different cases and different fields of study. But we want you to feel comfortable calling us and sharing your experiences with us. Right. And it doesn't just because we're on the topic of UFOs tonight doesn't mean you don't. You know, you can't call in and talk about a ghost encounter or a psychic event that you've had happen in your life or Bigfoot or, you know, anything that has to do with our topics and we're in general all, at any time. We're very free. easily to get a, get a hold of, too, all week long. I mean, I, I check my email constantly. Uh, all of our email addresses are on the website, SpookySouthCoast.com. You can get a hold of us through our MySpace, MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. Check that constantly all day long. So... If you don't feel comfortable calling into the show, which a lot of people, you know, will email me or send me a message saying, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this on the show, but I'll give you the story. And then sometimes they might say, you know, I'll feel comfortable if you want to read this on the air, but I just don't want to, you know, come on myself because people are afraid. Not everybody is, is accepting and understanding as we are. And, you know, somebody might say, hey, I heard you on the radio. Ha ha. You know, that's that's not what happens here. The wildest, most crazy story that you bring us it only makes us more interested. It doesn't mean we're going to, you know, uh, necessarily believe you. I'm just kidding. We believe everybody because if if they're calling up to share, then it's obviously moved them enough that they have to let somebody know. And we're glad to be, we're honored to be, as Matt said, you know, the people that you want to share that with. Right. I mean, we're non-judgmental. I mean, we each of us has had their own experience of Absolutely. one thing or another. I mean, Tim may not have had any UFO experiences that I'm aware of, but that doesn't, you know, discount the fact that he cannot believe. But, you know, my the reason why I haven't had any UFO experiences is because whereas that last caller said that he looks to the skies before he goes to bed, I try to look down because I don't want to have that UFO encounter. <laughs> I believe that they're out there, and I don't want to. I don't need confirmation of that. If you're listening out there in, you know, in outer space, I don't need confirmation. That's just my personal preference. That's the one thing, out of all the things that we run run up against and that you have me running up against now, that's the one thing that I, I don't really want to personally encounter. Oh, well, let me go to the phones here. Good evening, around Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Um, um, you know, the last, the last comment you made about a lot of people don't want to um, call because they feel like they're going to be ridiculed. Or, um, <clears throat> I was contemplating that same thing um, myself. I was thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't call, uh, you know, because you do think about things like that, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> but I had a situation that happened back in, uh, I'd say maybe 2000, 2001. I, I was driving a truck at the time, which I don't do any longer. But, um, and I was working up in Holliston. I had to drive, I had to drop, I had to pick up the truck in Holliston, Mass. Mm -hmm. And um, I had this situation where in the morning one time, it was like, um, I don't know, 6, 6.30 in the morning. And I was opening the gate to the parking lot while the trucks were kept. And um, all of a sudden, it just, a big wind came, like a lot of wind. And at first, I didn't think much of it because it was at a distance. And I was like, well, that's a weird big gust of wind. 
I thought to myself, you know what I mean? And then um, <clears throat> it just got, bit, it just got, you know, more and more violent. The wind came, you know, it just, it just hovered, and then it just got so bad that I, it was almost like I can't even explain it. It was just, it was just so much wind coming from the downward, like a downward. It didn't come across like the, the parking lot. It came from the like top down. Sure, almost like a, almost like a tornado would, or like the wash from a helicopter. Yeah, something like that, exactly. Like a wash from a helicopter, exactly. And it got so bad that the the, uh, the sand in the parking lot, you know, and everything else that had blown around. So, you know, like it got all over the air that the air got clouded up by all the sand and, you know, papers and whatever was the heck was on at the, at the parking lot. <clears throat> and it got so violent that I thought it was, just, I, you know, it got so bad that, like, you couldn't really, I mean, it was just, it, I don't know, you'd have to experience it. But anyway, I just ran towards one of the trucks was, you know, where the fuel tank is, you know, the big tanks of the trucks, the yep. big tractor trailers. And I figured I'd hide underneath between the two trucks because I figured the cab would be the heaviest part. That, I, at, at the time, I honestly thought it was like a tornado or something, though. I'm like, was this weird because we don't experience tornadoes in this area? So I'm like, what the hell is all this wind coming from? And it just came down so hot, and I ran towards the, and I hid kind of like underneath the wheel of the truck by the gas, by the fuel tank. And... The thing passed over, and like I said, you could just barely make, make you could barely see what was going on in the parking lot because there was so much dust in the air from the wind kicking off all the dust. And then at a distance, all I could hear was a hum going like, mm, mm, like like a almost like a turbine of some sort. But that was it. When it came, I heard nothing but the the wind. And and as it was as it was the thing moved, whatever the heck it was. It just, it just made like a humming sound, like a, like a, like a, like a distant, that's all I heard. And then the whole thing just, it was just, you know, back to normal. And I just thought to myself, wow, you know, it's not a helicopter, it's not a jet plane. I, I knew at that point that it wasn't a weather situation, you know what I mean? I just, I just knew it was some kind of technology that, we're not even privy to or something that maybe our government has. That's at the time that's what I thought it was, you know. Until this day I still don't know what it was, you know. Did you physically but, see what was generating this wind? I never saw it. I, I never saw I when I tried to look up, I couldn't see anything at all. All I I, I could see is nothing but like the the gray sky and it was you know, it was cloudy that day. I never seen any kind of craft or nothing. All I just felt was it's an incredible amount of air rush down, and and like I said, all the parking lot sand and everything just blowing around. But it was almost like um, it's almost like you go right to a panic. But you're like, whoa, you know, you have to do something. And you know, my instinct was just to run and hide underneath yeah, under, under one of the trucks. You know, fight or flight mode. I mean, yeah. it's just it's natural reaction. Yeah, exactly. And at that point, it was just. You know, and I've told my family about it and my friends and stuff like that, but I've never really discussed anything about it other than that, you know. But well, We thank um, you for sharing I just us. think, Yeah, I just think we have, our government, I think we have a technology out there that, and the, reason, the only reason why I say that is because of the, of the, the humming of the engines, because I didn't, it didn't sound like a jet plane, because I'm familiar with what that sounds like. It wasn't a helicopter, because I'm very familiar with what that sounds like. It wasn't rotors. It wasn't a jet. It made no sound as it was coming over as it left all I could hear is that like I said like that 
down at, at, a, at a distance, and that's it. That's the last I've seen of it, and I've never seen anything like that ever again. You know, I've had I've had a few other encounters with uh, <clears throat> my buddy. Um, this was going back years though, with my uh, buddy Steve, who passed away um, I don't know, about three, four years ago, out of a heart, with a heart attack. He's 44 years old, and uh, <clears throat> we were by the cemetery. This is when we were kids, you know, like 19, I guess early 20s. And it was like late, late at night and stuff. And then we're going by the cemetery and this, I don't know, I can't even explain what the heck it was. It was like some kind of like dark mass, like a cloud almost. But it was only, at first I thought it was like a, like a small cloud, maybe like a Mazda RX-7 back in those days. And like with it kind of short, like mm -hmm. slow, with the lights off. And it kind of like pulled over to the side and I said, oh, at a distance, that's what it kind of looked like. But as we approached it, this thing like kind of like targeted us. It just kind of like almost like it was maneuvering. It was like maneuvering itself in position, like it was gonna come at us, you know. And it did. And then he locked up. The, he had a, a, a GTO um, at the time. And you feel funny talking about this stuff because most people out there probably listen to this and like, yeah, sure, you know. But not, it not people listening to our show. And. Um, that's why it's kind of reluctant to call, but and this thing just came. It just kind of like it was like aiming at us almost, like it was confronting us. And and Steve, my buddy, God rest his soul, he said, "What the heck is that?" Like, I don't know. And I just said, "What the heck is that?" And this thing all of a sudden just shot right at us at like warp speeds, just came right at us. And he just locked up the brakes and skid right in the middle of the street. Remember Albeda's auto pot where it used to be? Yep right near the cemetery there. Well, it was right before that. So he slammed on the brakes and, you know, did one of those on, on, on the road. And the thing just, like, nothing happened. And we just both looked at each other like, what the heck was that? You know? And that was it. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of strange things out there. That I do know. It can happen anywhere. That, that you know, I will never... When people tell me stories about what they've seen and things like that, like the last caller was saying, people do no fuck stuff and these things that do happen and they have no explanations for or they have a hard time understanding what is it they've seen, it's the same things I struggle with, you know, or anything else because I've experienced it and, and I've, like I said, it, it boggles you know, the mind. Sometimes it's you and somebody else that'll see it. So it's not like your head's playing, you know, like your mind's playing games on you because, hey, sure, he saw yeah. it too, you know. Well, we invite you anytime to, to get in touch with us and, and give us a call or always feel comfortable talking to us. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just figured I'd throw it out there. All right. Well, thank you very much for calling in and sharing. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. We have time to squeeze in this one last call here, I believe. Good evening around Spooky South Coast. Uh, how you doing? You know who I am. It's Audrey. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I just wanted to thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, it was a very good show, by the way. Thank you very much. Now, with uh, with Starborn support, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Um, they can get on the Internet, which you have posted on your site, and they That's can right. also call me, and I will leave a number. It's 207-539-1033. Okay, so and if anybody's had a UFO, and I know that you want to help people in the New England area, but I'm sure you'd be willing to, to take calls and, and messages from Oh, yeah, from I've already anywhere. been taking calls from all across. I mean, everybody that comes across me on the Internet, um, you know, I, I've, I'm in the groups and stuff with the experiencer groups and stuff, and so they know that they can contact me, and I make sure that they feel comfortable 
And, you know, that that way I think a lot of people feel more comfortable because, you know, you don't know who each other is. Mm-hmm. And they do, they have been contacting me. And it's only been a week, you know, since we started. So. And now is it just yourself or do you have a, a team of people working um, with Actually, you? I'm working with a team right now and we're getting things together. Um, as of now, the office is in my house, so it's going to be just me for now. But it's going to extend a little more when I get things put together a little more. Like I said, it's only been, you know, a week and a half, two weeks. So. And do you want people who are interested in helping people as well? Do you want them to get in touch with you and, and offer their services? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if anybody's there, you know, because northern New England, especially where I am in Maine, there's not even a MUFON to get in touch with. And, I mean, I know when I was looking, there was nobody except for one retired guy whose name hadn't been taken off the Internet yet. And he was just like, you know, I'm retired and it, it's done. So there's really nobody out here to reach out to. So I, that's what really fueled my interest because when I was looking, there was nobody. And thank God I had, you know, past people like Matt and Joe and a few other people to reach out to. But I know how it is not to have anybody to talk to when you need to. Right, but now they have Starborn support, and the link is right on our uh, right on our. Website, SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll keep sending out the MySpace bulletins. Thank you so much. And thank you, Audrey. Thank you for calling in, and thank you for okay. helping people. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. All right, I think that's just going to about do it for tonight's show on UFOs. I think this is a strong show that hopefully let people know that, you know, this is something that's worth talking about, and don't don't be afraid to talk about it. Yeah, they should not be afraid to call in and share their stories. We're not going to laugh at you. We're here to... You know, we'll laugh with you if the story's funny, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're here to collect the stories from the people, and also you know, talk about it with people that you know that you trust that you love, and you'll find out, you know, you're not the only one that's had these type of experiences either. So, but uh, don't forget too. Next week we will welcome internationally acclaimed investigative journalist Jim Mars, the author of books such as Crossfire, which served as the basis for Oliver Stone's film JFK. We'll talk to him about that and his new book, Size Spies about the military's remote viewing program. So that'll be live here next Saturday night at 10 p.m. and also streaming online at SpookySouthCoast.com. So until then, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is...